As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. This is the word of God for the people of God. Uh, oh. Who is reading that? Oh, the disembodied voice. Thank you, Carolyn, for reading and ministering to us with the scripture this morning. Good morning, church. Uh, please get used to my addressing you as a body. That's who you are. You are the church. And so I, I tend to greet you as what you are. You are the church. Now, you each were given different names by your parents, uh, and that was given to you as well. So you are the church. Christ has called you his church. The sermon text I chose for today, you know, is, is obviously chosen for the reasons of... Uh, you know, the Messiah arriving into town from the Mount of Olives, right? That I'm arriving into town. That's not why I chose this text. Uh, I am Gary, okay? I'm not the Messiah. And this is Charlottesville. It is not Jerusalem. And so having... Put in context the idea that, that we read these, these texts from the scriptures and we look for God to speak to us in some way in the, 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 the large narrative or in even a small verse. So you recognize this text. This is the Palm Sunday text. This is the text that we read on Palm Sunday when Jesus enters Jerusalem and the, and the people just go crazy because they're so longing for an end to what has been a very complicated situation in their town. The Romans have been there. It's a scary time. And Jesus enters and, and all the planets aligned and for some reason they identified Jesus as the answer and the source to the solution to their complex issues. Remember what I said? I, I am not the Messiah and this is... Charlottesville is, is not Jerusalem. It's really important for us all to know that. It's important for us to know that we live our lives in much the same way as generations before us have lived our lives. We face the same complicated and complex circumstances as, as centuries before us. We're all human. And so many of your feelings about starting something new or having a new pastor or Arriving in a new town, these anxieties that, that we share are the same anxieties that have been shared with our fellow human beings in centuries past. And uh, I chose this passage because embedded in this story, I found a word from Jesus about maybe how we can react to stressful, anxious, uncertain times, transitions, um, change. Uh, I think he has a word for us, you see, because uh, I'm in a transition. I, I don't even know where I'm going to be sleeping tomorrow night. That's the truth. I got a couple ideas. 
But in these situations, we, we, we experience things. We, we experience anxieties. We, we experience uh, uncertainty. We, we, we may be stressed a little bit. Uh, it seems that Jesus found himself entering Jerusalem in a time of social, political, and religious complexity. It was complicated. One of my favorite uh, things on Facebook is when you look up someone's status and they say relationship is when you see the word, it's complicated. Anybody? No? Are your relationships complicated? Um, Jesus entered Jerusalem in a, in a complicated time, and, and, and the scripture tells us that, that his disciples were confused. They, they really didn't know what was going on. He told them to go get a donkey, and he sat on it, and then the... The, the, the public was certainly fired up, but they, I don't think they knew what was going on, but they were fired up. They were ready to do something, and it just so happened, somebody said, hey, let's grab some coats, and they threw the coats on the ground. Hey, let's get a couple of palm branches, and they threw all the palm branches. The, the, the public was fired up, the disciples were confused, and the religious leaders were not happy. See, this is what religious leaders were good at that. The religious leaders were not happy. Uh, generally, religious leaders uh, are not happy when the status quo is being shaken up a little bit, and, 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 and they don't feel like that they're connecting with the people. So obviously, the Pharisees, uh, uh, they had a nice perch there in Jerusalem. They're looking down on all this mess, and they said to Jesus, they identified, and they said, can you not get these people to quiet down, to settle down? They're disturbing the peace. Please tell these stressed out, anxious, uncertain people in transition to be quiet. And Jesus responded. And he said to them, he said that this is, this is the verse that just, I picked this. He said to them, I tell you, if these folks would not shout and sing and express themselves, the very stones would sing out. So he asked the religious leaders, these, you know, he asked them to use their imaginations. I wonder what you, what you think of if, if a stone were to sing, what would it sound like? See, Jesus could have responded in several different ways. He, 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 instead of getting all defensive, what do you mean? It's not my fault. You know, he, we, oftentimes when we get criticized for something, we're told to do something, and we don't like it, we, we respond, we react defensively. Uh, or sometimes we'll make excuses. We'll say, that's not my fault. And a lot of times, when, a lot of people's favorite things is, to say, oh, yeah, well, you, and then we turn it around and we kind of criticize. These are all what are called reptilian responses. These are responses that come out of our anxiousness, out of our fear. You've heard fight or flight. Uh, all human beings think that way. It's part of our, our DNA. It's part of our history. We, 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 we will respond to what we consider to be a challenge or, or something that makes us anxious with either defensiveness or we make excuses or we turn it around on the other person. But instead, Jesus didn't do any of those things. When he was in a stressful, anxious situation, he said, hey, what do you think a stone sounds like when it sings? I'm sure all the Pharisees said, oh, wow, that's a really cool question. 
he asks them to use their imagination to get to get out of that anxious part of that reptilian part of your brain and come into your your frontal lobe, your new brain. That's the brain that's evolved in human beings that makes us different from every creature on the planet. It's that part of our brain that lights up when we listen to music. It's the part of our brain that lights up when we pray. It's the part of our brain that lights up when we laugh at something. Imagination lives there. And Jesus, in response to this situation, asked the Pharisees to use their imagination. Get into your creative, imaginative, spiritual part of your consciousness when you find yourself under stress or change or anxiety. Um, Beth and I raised three daughters, Amanda, Julie, and Clara. And while we raised these young women to be self-differentiated, self-actualized, independent women, we tried not to like play, dress them in froofy clothes all the time. We let them pick what they wanted to pick. You know, we didn't try to, to, to put gender roles on them. But inevitably, every single one of them at one point in their life loved Disney, loved Disney princesses. I mean, you know, the, uh, the, the Halloween costume got worn every year by somebody. I don't know what to say about that, but that was a worn-out costume. And the costume was Belle. It was a, it was a, it was a long, silky uh, dress that had, like, riffles in it. And, and you know, it was, it was so long that by the time that they would grow out of it, it was worn out from being walked on the sidewalk on Halloween. And they, and they loved dressing up as Belle. Um, it was Belle who showed up when they wanted to make believe and use their imaginations. Um, I don't know how many of you know about Beauty and the Beast, uh, or how many of you may... Anybody here have a favorite Disney princess? Anybody? No? Who? 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 Elsa. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Leia? That's not... You're in the wrong comic book. That's as bad as DC versus... uh, Oh, Disney bought Star Wars. This they did. Jeez, this is a up. This, these people are on top of things. Don't interrupt me. And don't ever interrupt me when I'm embellishing, okay? So uh, the story of Beauty and the Beast is a very complicated story. It is a very complicated story. And the great thing about the story is that embedded in the story are these inanimate objects that get involved in solving the very complicated problem. Uh, if you're a fan of Beauty and the Beast, you have no problems, or with Disney, with believing that inanimate objects can, can actually have opinions. And they can walk, and they can talk, and they can sing, and they can, they can even convince you of things. And, and the clock, and the candlestick, and the duster, and the teapot, and especially Chip. Chip's the one, the little cup with the little chip out of him. So Chip always, he would say these little things in the middle of a very complicated situation that would kind of bring clarity. Inanimate objects, which we let have power and influence in our lives. It's nothing new. It's part of being human. It's part of using that frontal lobe. Human beings will ascribe power. We will ascribe influence 
to inanimate objects in our condition to help bring us out of our reptilian brain. It's how we kind of go around the fear and into creativity. Uh, I understood before I came to Charlottesville, there's an inanimate object right in the front of this church that people are ascribing a lot of power to. <laughs> Nothing new. My, you know, my favorite is, uh, is, uh, is in the Native American tradition, um, the Native Americans would oftentimes ascribe signs and wonders and omens in human condition to things that had nothing to do with the human condition, whether it was a, a circling eagle or a waving tree or, or a rock falling at a certain time, and, and they would take comfort in that. I don't know if anybody here got a dream catcher hanging on their rearview mirror. Come on. Nobody? Ah, there we go. Okay, it's an inanimate object. And yet we are willing to let it hold for us some power, some influence, some comfort, whatever it is we need to get us out of our fight or flight. Um, rabbit's foot, they used to be popular. You know, it goes on and on. I, I, I'm not from Charlottesville. Uh, I, I come to you from Roanoke, which is just down the hill from this place called Blacksburg. And there's a bunch of people there who have ascribed power to a rock. Okay, the, the football team, when they walk in, run into the stadium, they touch the Hokie Stone. Anybody? Anybody? No. Okay, does the Hokie Stone really help the team beat UVA? <laughs> but there's a Hokie Stone. They, they, they tap that thing every time they go onto the field, believing that somehow there's power in it that allows them to be victorious in a football game. So what are your hokey stones? What are your inanimate objects? And it doesn't have to be superstition. In fact, it starts in the same place as when we pray. When we reach into that place where our faith allows us to believe there is an unseen world, an eternal world in our temporal existence I have some favorite inanimate objects that I see God in. What are yours? Jesus asks us, he invites us to a table where we take simple bread and simple cup and he says, when you share this together, I am going to be with you. Now, look around. Is, is Jesus bodily really here right now? He said, I want you, I invite you to receive this bread and this cup and let it be for you my eternal presence with you. This is the invitation for those who would have faith. Jesus invites us to use that, that imagination that God gave us to free us from fearful existence and to live into a reality that we believe is unseen, but nonetheless, nonetheless the truest thing we believe.